It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Next up on the Mutual Audio Network, fiction from our future. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. You're listening to The Carlson Chronicles, an audio drama with a twist. This is a Privy Projects production. April 26, 4062, 0700 hours. Ian Carlson recording. The morning broke in a thunderstorm. Kelly and I were fascinated. The roll and crash of thunder and lightning is wonderful and terrifying at the same time. I could lay here and watch the light show forever. The rest of our crew was huddled around the cabin's fireplace. I wanted to know how the dam and cabin were not dilapidated, so I asked Rory. He said it was one of the choice duties for their soldiers in training. The repairs were building and upkeep were one of the things they could see, touch, and feel. They had kept a dam in place that otherwise would have gone to dust. Kita said it was in bad shape 600 years ago when her people started fixing it. The cabin was less than 20 years old. It had taken them that long to crawl out of nothingness and get to this level of 18th century technology. We at the Freehold have never left the 21st century other than the bioneural processors and the genetics work. Our world is so different from the Forester's world. I knew that once humans were created to do the work of reclaiming a world for all of us. Dad's notes and the histories were taught in my school. Those school books explain that some were grotesque beings. Kida and the Foresters were almost elven in stature and look. Not the tiny elves from fairy tales, but the majestic, tall, graceful, ethereal, and frankly beautiful. A scribe form back in the 2200s named Karn was required reading at school. The books of the Freehold called him the Cedar. In 2200, there was nothing left but ice and volcanic ash on the surface. Karn's job was planting seeds in small areas on the surface. He then would nurture the plantings so they would grow and spread. He also worked with the geneticists on bringing back insects, birds, and mammals. Grass and trees spread a long way in 800 years. Dad still called the lands west of Phoenix the blasted lands. Ian, are you going to get up or just sit there talking to that thing in your hands? Hang your shorts tight. I'm up, just not out of bed. We learned how to use geothermal energy to have hot water, cook our food, and keep lights on in the freehold. It's still keeping the power on. The planet never stops producing heat. It's held up for over 2,000 years. I wonder what it would have been like for those left on the surface. I can't even imagine. It is time to crawl out of this bed and start the day. Now, in the kitchen, with breakfast eaten, Ian outlines what has to get done. I want to look over Jed Flats and walk the stream back to Lake Rush. Kelly, go with Lars. I'm taking Two Feathers and Kita with me. I need to know about bear dens, mountain lion abodes, and the effect of wolves. Lars, 
Fish is food. Please access the stocks here and at Lake Rush. What types and species? The cave pup fish did exist here once. Are they still in some of the caves? If so, we don't want to use those caves for habitation. The basin, flats, and hillsides are all under consideration. I know they receded. I see the grass and trees. Did any of you read The Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien? 85% of our population would like something similar to The Hobbit Holes for housing. Our freeholders agreed. Kita, what kind of books do you have at your school? We have what the freeholders gave us to use. Your own grandfather was our guide in building the schools in Anadarko and for the Creek, Osage, and Cherokee in Bristow. Our schools are only 60 years old. Most of what is taught is practical engineering, construction, metalworking, woodworking, glassworking, and linguistics. The history of the Apache, Cato, and Arapaho is also included. My grandfather never wrote down what he did on his surveys. He just simply recorded where he went and who he met. I know that he was gone for years at a time. It's the same with my people. We had everything Kita tells about, plus the history of the Navajo, Hopi, and Pueblo tribes. The radios came from the Phoenix Freehold 15 years ago. Your dad talked my father into letting me go with him on his surveys. That was, well, 20 years ago? Our schools are over a century old. The Phoenix Freeholders helped us and supplied teachers along with our books. Rory, how's your cartography skills? That's my best skill. What do you need mapped? A topography map of the area from Jed Flats to the west of Lake Rush. Don't forget soil samples from everywhere you go. Is the wildlife close at hand? The fish are of interest to me. All I've ever eaten are those perch catfish we grew in the tanks at the Freehold. I'm up for something wilder. Anybody going to go with me down to the lake where the fish are? I've never caught a fish. Are they... slimy? They'll teach you to catch fish and gut or clean them. So we have a good dinner. Gut the catch? What's that? Fish always came from the Freehold's only store, ready to cook. I mean, I know they had to process them in some way. You have to catch and kill it to cook and eat it, Lars. Also, draw the fish, then document what they are. We need to know about wild food stocks. Say, Nana, take them to the cane patch below the dam. Show them how to make a cane pole and string it with a flax thread from your kit. Then use those gooseberries we saw by the tower for bait. It's faster than digging worms. I know every one of our children learned this stuff as younglings. They've been underground for 2,000 years. They have no idea what to do. Worms? I read about worms. We have worms that gobble up our garbage. Is that the kind of worm you use to catch fish? Worms do that too. Mostly they eat decaying roots and stuff in the soil. You dig them up and the fish love them. Aren't they gross to touch? Uh, they'd be slimy, dirty, and smell, wouldn't they? Go find out. We need to know about the ash concentration in the topsoil. Oh, and also, fill a sample dish at the same time so we can test it. Go, folks. Let's get this done. 
We're going to have to find food and more wood for the fireplace too. Kita, how do we cook if not over an open fire? <laughs> when camping, that is exactly how we cook. Here we have the stovetop your dad and my grandfather built. It works on electricity from the dam's water wheel. So we don't cook in the fireplace? Ian, look behind you. Isn't that cooktop similar to yours at the Freehold? I didn't even see it when I walked into the kitchen. Why has it got a cover over the burners? Because no one lives here full time. It keeps the dust out. You didn't notice how dusty and dirty this place was. That was from just being empty after our last crew left just ten days ago. The caretakers brought the dry ice from Quantum Parker Lake because Kessa knew he'd be coming here first. It's time to go. Ian explained what we need to do. Rory, I'm mapping the flats when Ian and I walk them. You take the rest. I'm using the homemade charcoal pencils on paper. Do you have similar? If the coal pencils we traded the Cherokee for with oil, or black water as we call it, we use a thin, flexible cloth made of cotton rather than wood pulp paper. Trees are too beautiful and rare to mulch for paper. It's said that the scribes planted papyrus in the east. We have cotton which is finely woven for recording on. It doesn't fall apart like paper when it gets wet. The creek and Cherokee carry small slates and carved letters and fine gypsum slabs. They stack them for records with rust-brown pigment from red dirt and oil gathered when they cook their chickens. It stinks in the record rooms, but you can read every word. We were close enough to the freehold to have a scribe's companion to stay and teach reading and writing in the beginning. The Comanche refused all help in these areas from the freehold. Because they refused help, they're now dying. Those in Old Duncan Town killed one of your dad's scribes. Or at least that's what's written, Ian. I knew about that from six months ago. I was stuck reading about it in the library before the survey. The teacher's name was Lydia, or you know them as Scribes Companions. That was recorded over 30 years ago. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm going fishing. Oh, Lars, that's enough fish. We have eight bass on that rope stringer over there. The first law of survival in my tribe is take from nature only what you need, when you need it. We will eat well tonight. <laughs> now we have to clean the fish. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Clean them? But they live in water. Uh, except for the slime. Aren't they clean? Lars, the guts make you sick and the scales aren't good to eat. Come on, I'll show you. It's easy. <laughs> What do we need that huge knife for? Don't we just cook them in pressed olive oil? We have olive trees even in the freehold. What do you use for cooking oil? No olive trees in the Wichita Refuge. We use rendered sheep fat. That makes good soap also. Rendered. I know that process from history, but doesn't that stink? Yes, it stinks. Food cooks faster and more thoroughly in lard. The tribes in South Texas and Mexico make a vegetable oil from the corn they grow. It takes many trades to get it here. All the tribes grow the three sisters. Oh yes, that's the corn, squash, and beans. Come on, there's a water bucket and a board at the back of the cabin. Okay, 
I'll walk up with you. Uh, you don't clean the fish on the lake bank? No. We clean away from lake water. The water is for the fish to live in. You know, they've got to poop somewhere. Ugh. Why did you have to tell me that? I was thinking about going swimming if it gets hot enough. Ugh. We're here. See those boards? Bring them to the wooden table by the door, and I'll get the water. Now, we need to wash the boards. Okay. Lay your fish down like this and hit it with the handle of the knife, then scrape as many scales off the back as you can with the back of your knife. Now place your hand on the middle of the fish and use your knife blade to slice open the stomach from the tail and stop just below the head of the fish. Then pull out what is inside and put it into the bucket at the end of the table. We'll feed that to the birds later on. You want me to do that? Oh my god, what is all that funky stuff? It's the fish's intestines, liver, gizzard, heart, and the lining covering the meat. Didn't you take anatomy when you went to school? I did, but it was all glossy pictures, not bloody slimy goo. I... this... Oh, I, I can't let myself get sick. Uh, the shine leaves the fish's eyes. How can you kill it? Fish live and die. People live and die. If we don't eat, we will die. Wild grains, tubers, and root crops are not enough. People require protein. Reaching out and grasping a fish, I killed it quickly as I'd been shown with the hilt of the knife. Then I began laboriously scraping the scales away from the skin. This is nasty. I haven't even got to the really gooey parts yet. Eww. I turned the knife around and washed it off in the bucket. Then I plunged it into the poor fish's belly. I wanted to dance away squealing, but persevered. If Gary can stand to do this, I can too. I rushed through the next two. Gary, I want a bath now. Why did we leave the heads on? Because we haven't cut it off. Roasted fish is better with the eyes looking at you. You can then thank the fish for its gift and eat. I think I'm going to be sick now. I'll be back and ran for the cabin. We're going to take a short sponsor break. We'll be right back. Imagine the world around you is nothing but an illusion. Creatures of legend wage endless wars between shadow and light, but you never see it. Even now, dark forces threaten reality as we know it, but most people never know they exist. This is the world I walk in. I am called Byron, and these are my chronicles. The Byron Chronicles, available at ericbosbypresents.com, iTunes, Stitcher, and everywhere else podcasts are available.
And now back to our story. The ash is only two inches below this grass. The layer is four inches thick. That makes the acid content in the ground too high for all the hardiest crops. We will still have to use hydroponics. This complicates the colony setup. We will teach you how to do raised bed crops until the land can recover so the soil is usable. Stop drawing for a minute and talk to me. The holograms made by my dad made this place seem a paradise. It'll never be rich crop land in my lifetime. What are we going to tell the freehold? Granted, that is true. Chaco Canyon was littered with rock. It took years to gather and crush it all for filling concrete. We didn't grow algae until after the freehold teachers came. Now, we have plascrete, just like the freehold uses. The land is beautiful, but not suitable for crop farming, as you've said. The Jed Johnson colony will have to live off the hydroponically grown food and hunt game initially. We've seen two mountain lion dens, but no bears. That means keep your dogs close as well as guard the grazing livestock. Sheep, along with cattle, are what is needed here. Didn't I read that there are longhorns introduced here by one of the scribes? His name was Jonah, Karn's son. The musk oxen were brought back first. The ice was closer because the ground didn't thaw until 2290 or so. The methane pockets began exploding. That was under the layer of ash. When did the foresters come? The foresters were the first of genetically created humans. Karn seeded the old state, nation parks, and preserves with insects except fleas, along with different types of grasses. The forester clans were placed there. The mutations introduced were from the dormant genes that were activated to give them a better tolerance to the cold. That was about a thousand years ago. The other freeholds introduced people that were engineered also. Unfortunately, they were not as successful. I believe Jesse was a scribe then. He wrote about the arrival of the Comanche from the North Texas. Jesse also made notes about the cannibals. The Comanche refused our help. They just wanted away from the cannibals, and I don't blame them. The Comanche's mutated genes allow them to see much better than we can in the dark, like a cat. The San Antonio Freehold played with the DNA mixes. This turned out to be extremely foolish because it got all of them eaten. Did you ever find why the term once human was applied? It was in Dad's notes. He believed it held more dignity than identifying each tribe or clan with the name Arcanic Human, Modern Human, or even Subhuman. Because of their ancestral DNA that was collected, being called the name Subhuman was degrading. You, my friend, are not subhuman. You're more human than I am because you know how to live in peace with the earth. Freeholders still act as if they can take what they want from the earth and damn the consequences. If anything, we are the primitives, not you, or the foresters. It's starting to get dark. We need to head back to the cabin. I've got to label the soil samples. The others should be heading back as well. The increased axial tilt makes our day shorter, giving us only six hours of daylight this time of year. Four days later, all the information from the freehold was gathered, assembled, and stoked. Ian's backpack was stuffed. He was hopeful and exhilarated. It was time to start back. 30th of April, 4062, 0600 hours, Ian Kyleson reporting. I'm sitting on my bed listening to Rory and Two Feathers getting the weather report from the freehold on the handheld radio. I really need to talk to Dr. Wilson when I get back home. 
Mom's been recording stuff about unrest in the Freehold. Over 35% of the residents don't want to leave the Freehold. I just don't want to leave those people to stay so they can starve to death or freeze. Cassie's been training with the teaching arbiters, learning what Dad had me learn in the six years before his death, in seven months' time. Mom says it's going well. Cassie's going to have to be scribed for the new Jed Johnson Flats colony. I just hate telling everyone what has to be done. I'm still a kid after all. God, I gotta grow up. Two Feathers took me aside and reminded me of some of the soil testing protocols. He's wonderful about helping. I hope he doesn't mind working with me. I'm not my dad's, that's for sure. Kelly gets quieter each day. I'm not sure why. It's like she shuts down when we talk about going back to the freehold. To be honest, I don't want to go either. I like the openness and the freedom we have out here. I have to make a mental note to think on this further. Kessa called in on the radio last night. The Comanche are rumbling about ancestral lands being taken by the Freehold. I wonder if I should go and talk to their chief. Two Feathers thinks that's a bad idea. He said to let Kessa handle the Comanche. I guess that's best for now. It's getting colder. Hopefully it snows soon. I've never seen snow. I bet it's beautiful. Ian, are you up yet? I'm awake! Give me a few to get dressed. They gathered in the kitchen. Breakfast was becoming a silent and quick ritual. It was time to go, and everyone knew it. It was up to Ian to break the silence and get the ball rolling. Okay, is everyone done eating breakfast? Good! Let's go. Five hours to cross the roads and a day back to home. These packs aren't going to get lighter until we get there. Um, Ian, slow down and smell the primroses. The wild rose is here fetching. We have a week to make that trek. It's just the first of May. The snow will not fly for at least ten days or more. Okay, okay, okay. What are your thoughts, Rory? Should we push to the hut today, or camp at the crossroads? The hut is better than camping in the open. I smell snow on the wind. It'll be early and deep. We need to make tracks now. Oh, you're such a spoiled sport. As we walked, I saw an easy friendship building between Forrester and Freeholder. Maybe we can learn to live together. The Forrester population had never been counted as far as I know. They were adapted for what the next 600 years of weather would likely bring. Maybe they were what would save the human race. The space colonies couldn't come home because they had adapted to space. So only people left on Earth can count in the equation. Rory was right. The first snow hit when they were at Robeson's hut. It lasted all night long. Lars measured eight inches. Kita and Rory were busy binding their feet with some rough-looking material that next morning. May 1st, 4062, 0900 hours, Ian Kyleson recording. Wow, my first snow. It's beautiful, soft layers that fell in clumps and in the wind shifted with fury. The foresters are less enthusiastic about the snow. I believe that they see it only as moisture to nourish the land and something to be endured otherwise. The sunlight glitters in diamond reflection like sparks from a grinding wheel. It's blinding up close and shimmers away in rainbows before my eyes. It never gets cold like this in the Freehold. There were not seasons in the Freehold. It always stayed a constant 68 degrees Fahrenheit. I like the archaic Fahrenheit scale better than the more scientific methods of quantifying temperature. Two Feathers has a fire in the fireplace going now. I better get up. Kita, what are you and Rory wrapping your feet with? And why aren't the soldiers doing the same? We call it felt. 
It comes from the soft wool and cotton blended, pressed and dried into sheets. The soldiers have all weather boots lined with felt. Rory and I have the half-lined boot most foresters wear. Our boots have no lining. We'll need the warmth. You use what we'd call a stocking. Rarely do we use stockings because they wear out so fast. Does seeing me wrap my feet make you uncomfortable? No, I'm just curious. I have enough trouble keeping my own feet warm without wrapping and unwrapping them. What we call felt comes from the beaver. We had no beaver in the freehold, so our socks are made of nylon and pulled bamboo, cut to thread and woven to pull the moisture away from our feet. I've read about snowshoes. Are we going to wish we had some? The snow is new and wet this time of year. The snowshoes we use are better suited to heavier and drier snow. We still sink in conditions like these. I've got what Dad called walking skis. They're about 8 inches wide and 16 inches long. Would it be too wet for them? It is too wet for those. Two Feathers and I checked the path. It has less than 3 inches coverage. The wind took care of the major path, clearing it for us. It was nice of nature to make it easier. Still, it will take 6 to 8 hours to get to the freehold. What do we have for breakfast? After we eat, we'd better get going. I'm trail boss today. Walk single file. The snow will show my footsteps that will be stamped down. Rory will take lead in an hour and carry after that. Rocks not covered with snow and in our path will be slick. The rain that started before we got to the hut yesterday froze quickly. If your feet burn, tell someone. If you can't feel fingers and toes, tell someone. Watch each other. If something is going wrong with someone, you'll see it before they'll know something is wrong. It was 45 degrees yesterday. Today, it is negative 25 degrees. Make sure you cover your head, nose, and mouth with a thick cloth. This will guard against frostbite. Ian, use that long leather coat with the hood. The quilted one will get sodden with the fog. It is unlikely to burn off. And so, they returned to the freehold. They'd left as a group of four, and were arriving as a group of eleven. You've been listening to The Carlson Chronicles, a Proofy Project production. Tune in next week to hear what happens when they get to Ian's newly built house inside the freehold. It was made ready while he was traipsing around the Wichita Mountains. Who becomes the mayor of Jed Johnson's flat colony? Will Cassie tell tales of the Arbiter's teaching methods and the legal system administration which she didn't learn about in school? Rachel dives into being scribe coordinator, handling the written and message traffic between the freeholds. Does Elder Johnson get talked out of retirement? Join us next time for the answers to these questions. And here is the cast that brought you this audio drama. Tomcat Micah Henderson Krista Huffaker Charlie Wyrack III, James Sedeby, J.A. Babian, Ryan Birch, Tracy Babian. Please don't forget to hit that like button, subscribe, and leave us a comment wherever you're listening from. We like it when people say hello. This is your announcer, signing off.
Hi, my name is Tracy Babian, co-author of the Carlson Chronicles podcast. My husband, J.A. Babian, the main author, had a triple stroke in the latter part of August of this year. Jerry was lifelighted to Tulsa, Oklahoma, with a brain bleed that the doctors thought they were going to have to do surgery on him, which surely would have killed him. Thank the Lord they didn't. He survived that brain bleed and swelling, but he is in need of so much for his recovery. I have started a GoFundMe to help with all the costs that I just don't have. I retired back in April of this year so that I could take care of Jerry, as he was starting to show signs then that I just didn't catch. Little did I know this would be a blessing in disguise. He is fighting this setback of memory loss and 75% use of his right leg, arm, along with his cognitive speech. Considering the doctor said he would not make it, I consider him to be a miracle. Medicare has only granted 12 visits of physical and speech therapy twice a week. He needs at least six months worth of speech therapy alone. That is a total of $4,000 we need to pay up front that I just don't have. So far, we have had $775 in donations of the 10000 we need come in. Please donate today so that he can get his needed medication, therapy, and also help pay bills that Medicare just will not cover, even if it's only $5. I update this account so folks can see his progress. You can go to my Facebook account, Tracy Babian VO, to find the pinned link with the title Jerry Babian Stroke Victim Needs. Jerry says, thank you. I still have a lot to write on my stories that I want to get done. Please help me to achieve that goal. Thank you in advance for your donation. Tracy Babian